Welcome back to Sloycast. I'm your host, Mark Angelini, and I'm joined by Mike Can't Check, 60K Sloyd Hannah. <laughs> and we're, uh, to be honest, we're re recording this interview here with Owen Thomas um, because we had some technical issues. We're ironing out all of our setup here for podcast recording, and, you know, learning curve is relatively steep. Mm-hmm. But we got that, I think we got it ironed out. And, uh, Owen was gracious enough to join us again to share his story. So, um, yeah, and uh, Owen, uh, I'm going to start introducing our guests so that people that aren't aware of who they are, you know, uh, have a sense of who they are. So, Owen Thomas, he is a spoon carver, bowl turner, um, I would say a pole lathe uh, aficionado, and all-around Sloyd um, ambassador or advocate. How's that sound, Owen? Uh, sounds an awful lot like deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that sounds good to me. It's a lovely intro. And uh, thank you for Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for being on. Um, so, Owen, will you tell us where you live and give us a brief uh, idea of what your life is like, how you make a living, and how Sloyd is a part of all that? Yep, absolutely. Uh, so I live in a part of England called Herefordshire, um, which is very close to the um, to the border with Wales. Um, I've lived here for about six years now, I think. Um, yeah, I moved up here. I I uh, I, I moved up here from um, from the south of England. Um, where I used to, uh, oh, I, I I used to run a joinery uh, business, a carpentry business, mm-hmm. um, and um, as life has progressed, I've become more and more interested in green woodworking, the craft side of woodwork, um, and that kind of led me up here. Now you make a distinction: the craft side of woodwork. Um... <laughs> What would you describe the flip side of that being? Um, so, uh, what I was doing uh, previously as a um, as a carpenter was uh, I'd class that more as like com- commercial uh, commercial woodwork. So that would have been uh, you know making uh, staircases and doors and windows, um, things things like that. You know, I, I mean, it's, you know, that's not to say that there's not craft to them because they're absolutely is um it's probably an incredibly poor choice of words really <laughs> more than anything else um, <laughs> it's just very different so i you know i was i used to work a lot with um large machinery yeah uh, you know like, um, big big um big big panel saws and uh, planar thicknesses uh spindle molders and things like that uh whereas now i'm much more focused on uh hand tool work or at least smaller small if i do use machines they're much smaller right scale, like like my new lathe for example but yeah. um certainly the involvement of uh large machinery is not something that i particularly miss <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can relate to that um so <clears throat> what was the journey like for you from i guess what was the, so you you got into carpentry and uh what was the journey like from there to becoming a full-time 
um, or making most of your living from woodcraft? So I started green woodworking more as a hobby. Um, I was lucky enough to have a have a taster session bought for me by my grandparents. Um, my granddad used to be uh, used to be into um, a, a craft called marquetry, hmm. um, which is like a it, it's a it's like veneer in inlay veneer art. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Out of veneers and stuff, um, and he was at a show uh, demonstrating that. And next to him was a guy who was turning on a pole lathe, and I guess because they knew I was knew I that I liked woodwork because obviously I was a I was a carpenter. Um, they um, paid for me to do a to do like a taste uh, like a weekend have sort of have a go uh, session with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and like from pretty much the 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 start the start of that, I was I felt like I was hooked. I was mm. like, oh my god, you know, uh, uh, work working working on a shave horse with a draw knife, splitting wood, mm-hmm. turning on a pole You know, it was so far removed from what I was doing uh, for my job, but it was still woodwork. Um, and it was a bit of an eye opener, really. So from from that point, I was kind of I got hooked. Um, and how long had you been a carpenter before that? Um, probably four years or so. Hmm. Or you are, you already had a fair good bit of experience with wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I had a bit of I, I had woodworking experience, yeah, but um, not what i not with the tools that i was using yeah if that makes sense like i mean i was when i was doing my apprenticeship i was i was lucky with who, the guy that i learned from because he was very into hand tools mm-hmm. uh, using hand tools um and you, knowing how to use hand tools accurately mm-hmm. um so i yeah i probably i had more of an advantage than a lot of the guys i was doing my my apprenticeship with who were just working in base, basically working in factories mm. only using power tools. So, so I, I guess I had, I went into it with some hand, hand tool use, but like I, I, you know, I'd never used a, um, I'd never used a fro before. I'd never used a draw knife before. Right. Um, I'd seen pole lathes, uh, you know, like out of the country shows and stuff like that, but I'd never, I don't think I'd actually used one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a real eye opener, and through uh, through him, um, I heard of a few uh, a few other people uh, who were uh, good greenwood workers. Um, you know, n- name names you names you will have heard of. You know, like Mike Abbott and Robin Wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard about the Polave Turners Association uh, through him as well. Um, so yeah, I mean that was the first step into it was um, was doing that the the, the class uh, just for a weekend. Um, so when as soon as I got back, I started looking for for more. Yeah, nice. And that class was was that? Did you learn the pole in that class, or what? What was the kind of the? Was it like a? a was it like here's how to do here's how to split wood from the hole and turn it into? I don't know, like a a turned object or was it kind of 
more specific? Was it that specific or was it more general, just green woodworking tools and skills kind of crash course? Um, I guess I, I'm trying. It was quite a while ago now. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying <laughs> but I think um, I think like the first day we saw we just did like um, work on the shave horse. So I think I made a couple of awful spatulas. <laughs> Um, and then the second day was pole lathe turning because of it, when you're doing a spindle turning on a pole lathe, you need to know how to use a draw knife right. so you can, um, uh, prepare the, the, uh, prepare the blank mm-hmm. for yeah. it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, it, it was, it was a bit of a little bit of a lot of things, I guess you could say, um, mm-hmm. but it was pretty much first, first day was, was focused around shave horse and draw knife. And then the second day was 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 um, was pole lathe turning, um, and to be honest, if I was running a weekend taster session, that's probably how I'd do it. Like it's mm. a it's a pretty good way, you know, because you need to know how to use one thing before you can do the other, right? Um, so it's a pretty good way of, of of easing people in. You know, I mean, so you know, there's so, as you guys know, there's so much, uh, there's so much to learn. Even just if you if you pare down green woodworking to one particular item, there's so much to learn. Yeah, you know, it's, it's so you'd, vast. You'd struggle to learn everything about spoon carving in one day. Yeah, um, certainly. Uh, or even in a, some in some cases, you know, even enough to sort of make a spoon on your own. You, it, it's a real push to fit that into one day. So yeah, um, mm-hmm. little bits of lots of things is 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 good i think i think it's um it gives you a good overview of, of things um and you know it, a lot of a lot of courses aren't necessarily tailored to um somebody who you know you, you don't necessarily go on a day a day class to then to then go i'm going to be a professional <laughs> right spoon <laughs> uh, or whatever um, so I'm going to go on this day course. I'm going to learn everything, and then I'm going to be amazing. It, you know, it's um, it, it, it doesn't work like that. And he, even even he said said to me like, there's you know, there's very rarely people that he get. You know, people go on them for experiences, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. But then, but then there's always the there's always those few people that you get that um, are going to take it further. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I I was one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and I'm curious whether you've kept the items you made on that day. Oh Jesus! Um, <laughs> yes, you have. In, in a way, in a way, I have. I, I think I think the spatulas were probably that bad that that they've been <laughs> lost or destroyed. Uh-huh. Um, but I do actually have some of the pole lathe turned things nice. that I did on that because um, because. I was identified as somebody who was probably going to get more into it. Mm. Um, I had, we, we had a, dis- we had a discussion, uh, um, uh, sorry, Mace, Mace Bryant was the name of the guy. Okay. Nice. Um, so me and Mace had a, dis- me, uh, me and Mace had a discussion. Um, and because I, w- I was obviously going to want to do it more uh, and I, I need, um, some of the equipment we had, we, uh, he showed me how to make, make the parts for, shave horse on the pole lathe so you know there's loads of different shave horse designs but the, the sort of old the old old english version has got like a turned peg and a 
turn foot rest and a right. turn uh, clamp bit at the top. So mm-hmm. um, we made those. Nice. Um, so I do have them. I don't really use that shave horse very much anymore because I've I've made better ones since, but I right. do still have those. Nice. So um, from there, so yeah, that was. You you go. Sorry, <laughs> I was just gonna say. So from there, what what was it like to where you are now? Because that's kind of like I mean that's a very bare bones experience. Um, and now and now you're you know a very accomplished pole aid turner and. Uh, spoon carver so what was kind of the next next bite for you <clears throat> was it spoon carving uh, it, or was it bowl turning it was neither, <laughs> it, was neither. it was chair making oh, okay. oh nice um so uh from from that class i started looking into more or to other green woodworking things mm. um and I was always looking for, you know, who's the person to learn from. And basically everything that I looked up about green woodworking said the person to learn from was Mike Abbott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I um, booked on one of his classes. Um, almost, as, yeah, pretty much almost as soon as I got back. Because mm-hmm. Mace had obviously told me about him. Um, right. And quite shortly after that, actually, he, there was a there was a, a a TV series, um, on one of the BBC channels over here called Mastercrafts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the episodes was um was about green woodworking, um, so it was like a uh, like a kind of reality TV thing, not like yeah. not like a uh, not like a shock reality TV <laughs> thing. Not quite. You know- a quite you know, I've actually, say, yeah. I've seen that before. Um, You've seen it? I think I've seen the chair making one actually, because um, years ago, like shoot, probably eight, nine, ten years ago, there was a, I don't know if you remember Torrents or if you were into Torrent downloading stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. Um, don't, don't, don't let me incriminate myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a website back in the day and it was all British um, TV show Torrents and um I just was on there and I found, I found a couple of different things that were like slowed or craft related. Um, but I think that was one of them. I, and I might have it somewhere on a hard drive, but I, I do remember, <laughs> I remember this show. I remember there's like, you know, like not contestants, but there's a number of people that come on and they don't, they like don't really have the skills and they learn it and then they have to do some big project. Right. Yeah. that Yeah. Yeah. Basically it's quite, quite wholesome uh, reality TV. You know, there was nobody screaming and shouting at each other. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that I mean, I, um, I yeah, I saw that, and I thought it, I thought it was um, it was a real good TV show, and it looked really interesting. And because I'd had that small experience of doing it before, um, I um, I really identified with it. And as it happened, Mike was the judge um, on that TV show. So, you know, it was just like everything was pointing me in that direction. So <laughs> right. I, I, um, I booked on to one of his courses um, and I made a made my first chair, uh, a rocking chair. Nice. Um, which was awesome. It was a really awesome experience. And pretty much as soon as I got home from that, I wrote him a letter and asked if I could be his um, his assistant for the next year. Hmm. Um, because the way the way Mike 
uh, used to run things um, when he was at Brookhouse Wood was that he would have uh, he would have like one or two uh, younger people um, working with him throughout the duration of the season to help him deliver the classes, mm-hmm. um, which was a great opportunity to learn how to learn how to make chairs, but also learn how to teach making chairs. Mm. Uh, like see the see the mistakes that that get made, so you can avoid them. Right. But it's like, but it's other people making the mistakes and not you, so you're not wasting your time. Right. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, it was a great, you know, it was a formative experience uh, working with him. Even that, even that first course um, was life changing. Yeah. The, fir- um, the first one you went then- on to learn chair making. Yeah, when I the, the one, yeah, the the one that the one that I the one that I paid to go on. Right. Yeah. Um. And was like, I was like, oh my god, I want to do this. This is um, <laughs> this is this this is it. This is this is it. Right. Um. So, but then, yeah, then I got to got to go um and be his assistant. Uh, for the well, the vast majority of a year. Um. So bear bear in mind, I was li- at that time I was technically living in the south of England, mm-hmm. um. But Mike Mike's workshop was in Hereford. Mm. So, and I still had my um, joinery business then. So I was sort of going up to Hereford for the week, uh, helping the helping on the classes, and then traveling back down and sort of get to toing and froing. So it would have mm. been amazing to have uh, to to have to have been able to be up here for that, you know, just live up in the woods yeah. for that for that amount of time. But uh, you know, it's life gets in the way sometimes, eh? <laughs> So on that on that year long, um, was it as an apprenticeship or? Oh, I, I mean, he, he's very resistant to to to, to calling it a, an apprenticeship. So okay. as assistant. I got gotcha. you. Assistant. Your assistantship. Assistantship. <laughs> ben, ben Ben Orford was the only is is Mike's only official apprentice. Oh wow! Um, ah, interesting. Um, and everybody else has been assistants. Nice. And I think it was probably. The pain, the 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 paperwork was too much of a pain in the ass for him to fill out. Oh, oh wow! There's paperwork involved, huh? Well, I think he was. Uh, I think uh, I I can't remember off the uh, complete story, but I think Ben did a. It was like a, a furniture making qualification. Oh, I think okay. mm-hmm. the stories in one of Mike's books, like it. Um, but I think Ben Ben actually did a proper apprenticeship, hmm. uh, like, like through the through college. Um, mm. but none of the rest of us did that. We were just, you know, we just, we're just up there to help and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So assistance, uh, the, I mean, the, 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 you know, Mike's list of, um, of old assistants is, is, is kind of like a who's who of, um, current green woodworking. In a lot right. Of ways. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, everything, everything points back to Mike. Right, yeah. Uh, all the, the, all roads uh, lead to Mike Abbott. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, absolutely. Like it, it, he's um, the Sloyd God. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't, don't tell him that too often. He's 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 already got he's already got a bit of a god complex about him. <laughs> <laughs> but he's you know he's you know he's you know he, all road all roads lead back to him. Like I. I 
I mean, I honestly think that there's nobody, there's nobody in the green woodwork scene that hasn't indirectly been influenced by him, directly right. or indirectly. Like yeah. if they have learned from Mike, they have learned from somebody who's learned from Mike. Yeah, that's so cool. We all learn from uh, Mike. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. You know, you, you know, you can kind of, you know, in America, a lot of a lot of the Sloyd you can trace back to country workshops. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Mike is kind of the same thing. I, I think him and Drew used to used to um, write letters to each other. You know, and yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure if Mike's went over to country workshops ever but i, I i'm 100 percent sure that him and um jenny Ale- yeah, um jenny alexander and drew were in like a you know they they were in contact for sure yeah um, during that time and you know he 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 was one of the found the founders of the polo turners association and yeah wrote book you know he's written the like greenwood work the book right yeah mm-hmm. um and then two other, you know, two others as well, which are both, you know, both very, very, very good books as well. Um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I am, that I know him. I'm, very, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm friends with him. Very grateful that I'm friends with him. But even, you know, even just to have that experience, the, the experience that I had up there. Um, I'm, yeah, very, very grateful that I was able to do that. Yeah, and it's nice. Awesome. And like I said, it's nice. It's nice that I'm friends with him. You know, I I, I live like 15 minutes from his house now, and that's awesome. Um, obviously, we're, we're all locked down on lockdown at the moment, so I can't pop over and see him. But in normal times, I can go and pop over and see him, and you know, we we meet up every so often. Like he came to my wedding um, this year, which was really right. nice. Awesome. Um, yeah, he's a good. He's a he's a good guy. He's a good guy. But yeah, you know, like I said, everybody's um, everybody's influenced by him, yeah. In a way, even if they don't realize it, because probably whoever they've been influenced by has been influenced by him. Yeah. So while you were there for a year, I know that he he te- he taught most, or I guess he still teaches, but um, he taught mostly chair making. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he most, I think, initially he started doing like Windsor chairs. Yeah, he was first teaching, but um, he um, started developing uh, into making ladderback chairs, mm-hmm. uh, frame frame chairs. Yeah, um, in a particular style that was made made in in this kind of area of, mm. of the country, mm-hmm. um, like sort of art, arts and craft era chair making. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, he, yeah. So it was all, um, yeah. Everything's everything's cleft, uh, cleft, cleft wood, and um, it's all flexible, very lightweight, but very strong. And mm. um, I, I, you know, and as he's as he's taught it, he's um, developed his own way of doing stuff as well. Like it's you know, it's it's the initial the initial uh, idea was there. Mm-hmm. but he's developed his own ways of doing it and you know what mm. one of his books is basically like a textbook of the classes that he used that he was teaching mm. um, yeah I, we need to get some of those books i don't i've i think i've been able to look at them once or i think i've looked at green woodworking once but yeah um i hear a lot of good things about his books as well just for self-learning and and just yeah 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 
Yeah. I mean, to... the, the going with the grain is like that. That's like the, the chair text, the, the, the chair course textbook. Okay. And mm-hmm. it's kind of written in a way he, he hope, you know, you, that you hope you, anyone could pick it up and make a chair out of it. Right. And mm-hmm. they, I, I, know, I know of people who have done that. You know, they've not really had any chair making experience. Which book is that? Uh, going with, going the with the grain. I think it's the, the most the most recent. Mike one. Abbott. Okay. Yeah. We need to start a GoFundMe page and just go to the UK and interview Mike Abbott in person. <laughs> yeah. Would, well, that, would could, that be possible, Owen? Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd imagine it. I'd imagine it'd be possible. He'd. he'd um, I'll, I'll have. I'll have. I'll have a word with him. You might be able to. Do <laughs> yeah. can, you, can you put in a word for us? Put in a word yeah, for yeah. us. <laughs> and he's. He's. Um, he's always. He's always open to. To, uh, to he's very supportive, of, nice. uh, especially of people that that have worked with him. Nice, um, like he's always been super supportive of me and you know Barn and 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 the other guys who, you know, obviously not all of not all of his old assistants have have, have continued in the way that some of us have. Right, but right. Like, he's always he's always um, supportive. You know, right. you know, it will like share, like share, even down to like share, you know, sharing posts on Facebook and stuff is, mm-hmm. is, um, um, he, he always tries to help out where he can. All right. We got to, we need to interview him and Drew soon. Yeah. Get those in the, yeah, I, mean, I, I can, yeah, I'll, I'll, when, when we're done, I'll, I'll send you my, I'll send you his email, his email and you can give, give him an email. Wonderful. Tell him I, tell him I sent you. <laughs> it's Owen's fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what? So what was it? Because you don't. I don't. I haven't seen any chairs you've made recently. Maybe I've seen some stools you've made. Um, but what was it that, after doing all that, having all that experience making chairs and teaching, helping teach classes about chair making, that drew you towards spoon carving and bowl turning more so? Um, a lot of it was circumstance, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So while I while I was at Mike's, um, Barn Barn came up to visit hmm. um, because he was one of Mike's old assistants, and that's kind of what right. you, know, you got to go in and check on the old man every so often, see how he's doing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I met Barn and we sort of got chatting, um, and a, a few months after I left Mike's and went back home to continue my joinery business that all went a bit weird um so i found myself in a position where i was looking for something to do with my time and mm-hmm. as it happened barn had just um started up the shop in london and was looking for someone to go up and help him mm-hmm. um so i started doing that which was um an, again a, a, a formative life-changing experience mm. quite a, quite an odd one at times but um <laughs> it's um yeah it was it was it was it was really good and it, it, that kind of came up at the same the same time as i needed and i needed a new uh focus right so um and you were yeah, you... i still love chair making, right? I, I, st- I still i still do chair making like um so i uh, early you mentioned mentioned that part but my um i make part of my living through making bowls yeah. and spoons yeah so the other part the other part of my li- my living is still through green woodwork 
um, but it's working with guys with learning difficulties mm-hmm. and mental health problems um, mm-hmm. and uh, teaching them green woodwork. And the vast, vast majority of what I do with those guys is chair making, uh, mm. t- uh, teach them how to make stools and chairs mm. and, and tables and stuff like that. So it's right. still very, though I don't do them, do that commercially so much anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still, I still, I still do uh, use those skills. Nice. Um, but um oh and the other part of it is i i um just didn't have the space to stock up right. on chairs mm-hmm. so i used i used to make i used to sell them uh, i used to do um like country shows mm-hmm. demonstrations and things like that and i used to sort of do commissions um but i never had the space to be able to make a stock of chairs mm. um but a stock of spoons is a lot smaller. <laughs> so, uh, quite, a, quite an attractive thing, um, and also you know it's a short term project as well. Like it, you know a chair, a chair you're looking at probably like you're working on that like over a week. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, whereas a a spoon, you know, you uh, hour if that. <laughs> right. Um, Much makes different. you know it makes a big difference. So it. it it enables you to um, try different stuff out because right. it's not such a time investment. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the really it, it was the opportunity to to learn from Barn that mm. that 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 turned my, that turned my head absolutely towards spoons. Um, like I'd done a I'd done a bit of spoon carving. Um. And I thought I was getting pretty good until I met Barn, <laughs> and I quite rapidly realised that I wasn't actually that good. <laughs> or maybe I was, you know, or maybe I was all right, but just, uh, but I could get loads better. Yeah, for sure. sure. That's a more sure. that's a more positive way of thinking about it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, I um started travelling into London um a couple of times a week to go and to go and help out at barn's shop mm-hmm. and i learned lots and lots and lots about spoon carving um but not just about spoon carving i, I learned i learned a lot how to um how to how to how to uh do it as a business mm-hmm. you know what's, what's important how to how to sort of plan what you're going to do yeah, right. Because that's not necessarily something that you would know that the average person off the street would know. Right, right. You just you 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 your your average spoon cob wouldn't necessarily know. Okay, this is the best way to approach this. Mm-hmm. Or you know, don't do that because that's going to do this. And um, it was very uh, yeah, it was a very good learning experience. Nice. And for me on on a, on a lot of levels um um plus we had some hilarious times in the shop as well which <laughs> I, can all, I can only imagine yeah i was gonna say I mean, for, for folks that don't know about barn we have a whole episode with him you can check i'll put that in the show notes and uh so i mean so you were in the middle of london on a high street in a tiny shop um that's car- it all yeah completely on on display yeah, <laughs> to be, I mean, it didn't. It didn't really feel like you're on display all the time, but just that there was there was odd occasion, um, 
where the, you got some real sort of gawkers like staring <laughs> into the room there, like what the hell are they doing <laughs> and what, um, what what was that like because was it were the sales mostly people that were just walking off the street like oh here's a spoon child shop let me go in and right i'm in need of a yeah. cooking spoon or whatever what was it like was it was it that natural interest or was it a lot of people that kind of knew he was there so they went to get a spoon from him I th- I think probably the majority of people who came, who who were there to buy something would probably travel probably came specifically for it. Wow. Um because e- even at that time Barn was fairly well known. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. As, as you know over the sort of year I worked at the sh- I worked with him um that was when his popularity, the his recognition, his name recognition was was sort of going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I mean, there, you know, there was there were people who just came came in off the street to see what was happening and decided they liked it. Mm-hmm. But then some sometimes there were people who came in off the street and they they were like, Jesus, how much? <laughs> it, it it was um it was a good exp- you know it was a good experience. He st- he still has the shop. Um, it's, right. it's it's still it's still there and it's um, going great guns. I think I think it's a bit smaller that a bit smaller than it was when I was there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's great. I mean who you know who'd have thought that you could successfully run a, a spoon carving shop in the right. middle of London? Uh, it's, uh, incre- what 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 he's achieved is incredibly impressive. I sure. agree. I agree. Uh, and the way he's been able to publicize craft or well, craft in general, but mm-hmm. you know, the um, spoon carving in particular. Yeah, he's, uh, he's done a lot for spoon carving. It's incri- incredibly impressive what he's what he's managed to do, and and again and again, as with as I said with Mike, like I'm I'm very grateful that I'm friends with him. Um, um, he's a he's a he's a good guy, and I'm I'm really grateful for what I was able to learn from him. Mm-hmm. But I'm 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 even more grateful for the continued friendship that I have with him. Nice. Um, we 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 shared we we, we shared some hilarious times in the shop. I can only um, imagine. <laughs> definitely, definitely an experience. I bet. Um, but it was it was very weird. It was you know for, for me like I I so at the time I was working at Barnes for about half of that year I, I was actually living um in some woods in a yurt mm-hmm. um out out in west west Sussex which is I don't know how how far it is in miles but it's it's about 40 40 40 50 minutes on the train mm-hmm. and I was living in the woods um and then driving to the train station to get on a train to commute into the middle of London with all the all the suits and the stiffs to go <laughs> it would be in what in the biggest city in the in the in the country it was just, it was it was not like I, I tried not to think about it too tried not to think about it too much just it yeah. was a bit of a uh yeah it was an, an odd thing to do um <laughs> But it was a great thing to do. Like it was, it was, it was good fun. It's a great um, juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what, when you were working with him, what was, what were you doing in particular that contributed to your kind of expertise and skill and um, 
knowledge base. Um, so what I was mostly doing uh, with with him was um, was preparing uh, spoon blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, so when what, like when I when I first started it, I was you know it, I was kind of having to relearn some stuff and then learn stuff that I hadn't even thought about. Hmm. Right. Um, but then I got I gradually got to a point where I could be productive for him so the way we would work he would he would pay me a set amount of money per spoon blank that i could give him mm-hmm. um which helped him you know as his popularity was rising he needed to make more spoons and then i i made it easier for him to make the spoon the amount of spoons that he needed to make mm-hmm. um so i I got into, I basically got into this sort of production carving mode. Hmm. So I was doing all, I was doing like all, uh, all the axe work, um, and the sort of rough hollowing for like all of, all of his spoons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so there was three or four maybe types of spoons that he was making at the time. So I'd sort of go through a phase of doing one sort and then doing. Uh, doing a bunch for the other sort hmm. uh, you know the other sorts and I think at my peak I was probably making like 20 maybe 25 t- between 20 and 25 blanks in my day hmm. um, you know axed, axed, and, axed and hollowed and what, wow. what you know when I, when I say axed I, I, I don't mean sort of roughly axed I mean like um, we used to use templates and I, st- I still use templates for hmm. For making my spoons, um, oh, okay. so yeah. they were you know accurate, um, accurate blanks. Sure. Um, so you had a lot of repetition to refine every stroke and the yeah, sequence and yeah. so on, right? Yeah, and I think that that was that was incredibly valuable. Yeah, ex- ex- experience. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's not for everybody. Um, production carving isn't for everybody. Hmm. Uh, um, I mean, I, I don't do big batch production anymore. I, right. I do still work with that method in mind, right? Because I find it more efficient. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't do I don't work in batches of more than ten hmm. now. But I still I use I still apply the same uh, the the same theory to it that mm-hmm. I learned there. Um, even though it's a smaller batch, yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing that I that I started developing when I was there was the 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 types the the designs of spoons that I wanted to make, um, because I I like I like to I like to design something and then repeat it, mm-hmm. sure. um, which is where the templates come in. Right. Um, they're very ha- very ha- if you're trying to um, replicate something. If you know, if you always start from the same uh, starting point, it's going to be a lot easier for you to hit those, um, hit the right marks. If you're always starting from 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 the same kind of place, right? So right. I find um, templates for me, at least, have been invaluable um, to 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 my process and uh, to to how I work. Right, and you're, you know. Let's. Say, I'd like to take a minute to talk about your spoons because you. Yeah. We didn't do this on our last on our initial uh, interview, um, 
but you carve, I would say the spoons you carve are really unique to, and just in terms of like the design, I feel like there's a historical element, traditional element to them as well. Um, cause you do the, the call spoon, which you might need to educate the listeners on what call even is. Cause I don't think any Americans know what that is. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, and then you do the dolphin spoons, which are really awesome design and kind of like a, almost like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're almost like a, uh, not a mirage, uh, uh, dang it. I can't think of the term, a vi- like a visual trick because you look at them in one profile and they look like one spoon, you turn them and on the side and they look like a totally different spoon. Yeah. I, I'll get what, I'll get what you mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I, so I first started looking at that, looking at those sorts of spoons when I was at Barnes. Um, and I'm pretty sure he, he encouraged me to think think more outside of what everybody else is doing right yeah sure, yeah sure look, sure look for more look for more source material hmm. than just what everybody's what everybody's doing so at, at the time what everybody was doing was swedish style um like the uh, um the vile sunquist mm-hmm. style yep of, of spoon and to be fair to everybody like that uh, the, the the Swedish carving techniques book was pretty much the only instructional uh, spoon carving book at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So obviously everybody's going to be going after that style because that's the <laughs> style that, that that is easily accessible. Yeah. Or that is at least accessible to be taught. Uh, right. And there's instructions for it, you know. Um, but you know, though, uh, though. England, Great Britain has been um, has st- massively stepped away from it now. Um, we did used to have a fairly decent wood culture here, yeah, and there are still surviving examples of our wood culture, um, and specifically the the Welsh sort of folk traditions of spoon carving. Um, so. I I was encouraged to start looking at those because nobody was really doing that. Nobody mm. was making spoons like that at the time. Mm. And that appealed to me right. because um because it was something different. Mm. And also my my heritage a few generations back is is Welsh. Mm-hmm. You might be able to tell by my name. <laughs> right, right. Um so I started looking at um cow spoons and dolphin spoons so mm-hmm. the cow spoon is it's like a soup spoon um so cow is like a is a stew mm, okay a, a lamb lamb stew i mm. think but i think yeah i mean the name call uh cow is um you know it, 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 it's a stew uh basically um so it's a you know a sort of a, a quite large large bold um large deep bold yeah. spoon that's used for scoop you know scooping out of scooping uh scooping out of a big pot right uh, and there was you know they're they're all of the old ones that I've seen either in pictures or in real life they've all been slightly different you know hmm. there's no like this is 
this is what a cow spoon looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, they there's there's features, there's certain features of them that are that are consistent, but there's no one design. Um, but they, like they all have flat bowls, hmm. like the top of the bowl is all flat is always flat. Yeah, that because it's liquid. You know what uses a curved, um, what uses a curved bowl on a spoon if it's right. supposed to hold liquid it will just tip liquid out the side right um and the hand the handles of them are normally or uh, fairly fit like long and thin mm-hmm. um, they don't they they don't sort of sweep out or anything like that you don't have like the little um you know widened bits or anything like that they just they they were functional yep. simple spoons yeah um well it's interesting you mentioned that they weren't all the same because um I'm right now I'm reading uh Woodwork in Estonia by it's at um I get the publisher off the top of my head. Um words are not coming to me today. Uh, <laughs> um but in there they're talking about how you know a lot of the woodworking traditions in Estonia um at the because you know, it's a I don't know if you've seen have you read this book Owen or seen it? I I've, I I'm aware of the book. I don't have it. It's amazing. I just got it recently and it's like, it's mind blowing, but it's really cool in there. Cause it, the guy who wrote it, he wrote it, um, like right around world war two, maybe, maybe a little bit before or after I forget at any rate, yeah. it's, he's chronicling, you know, all of the woodworking tra- traditions of the entire country. And so I'm just using this as like a anecdote, but he's talking about how each village had like so many different things that related to their woodwork, not only the type of woodwork they made, but, um, like the style, and then even when they felled trees, the section I'm reading right now is all about felling trees. And it's like each village, it, there's a whole protocol as to how you're supposed to fell a tree, when, what direction, That's like a ritual yeah. about it, like walk around the tree one time, and like all these different things. So I'm just, as you're talking about these, uh, we say call, I don't know, I guess cowl is probably how you pronounce it in Welsh. Um, but as I've, you're describing, I've, heard, I've heard Welsh people um tell me both oh, okay okay and also welsh people tell me that i'm saying it wrong <laughs> i'm saying it wrong both way- when i'm saying it both ways so i think you know it's very much like a regional uh pronunciation yeah and they, well, gen- they tend to forgive me <laughs> because i'm english anyway <laughs> well as you're describing the design i was just thinking back to that as an anecdote of how like i'm sure every you know village had a different way that they did it and different right. reasons why they did it that way the design right yeah yeah sure i mean and that you know you you can see similarities of spoons all, from all over the world mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that, that are similar from country to country and i mean obviously you know you, you know you took hundreds and hundreds of years back there was there was all there was still tr- there was always still trading between com- countries right so yeah. maybe you know some some influence some ones influenced other other ones i mean there there's there's a, there's an there's an element of you know for it to function it it needs to be there need to be certain elements to it that it needs to function yeah right obviously yeah um people would have, would probably be able to find find that out independently but then there sometimes you get you know i'll i'll look, I'll look at a spoon from eastern europe maybe or um, uh, Af- Africa or somewhere. Oh, that looks similar to the, to mm. a cow spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's quite interesting and it's, and it's interesting to want to know whether there was sort of um direct influence or if it's just something if, if it's just conclusions hmm. people have come to independently yeah, after you carve so many spoons just there's a certain way that it works that's uniform that has a uniformity to it in terms Mm -hmm. of the approach yeah but i mean i I say that but then you know if if you look at a pile of old of of old cow spoons for example they they have there's the the similar round bowl long thin handle but they all look different Mm. And that you know, there's not one. There's not one that's the same, unless it's some, unless it's from the same carver. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it kind of go. It kind of goes to show that you don't just because some, just because you're making, just because you're trying to make something in particular, doesn't right. mean it has to be an exact copy of something that you've already seen. Though there's plenty, there's plenty of opportunity to play with design or um, feel feel of it. Mm-hmm, but right, still, right. even within such a such a slim um set of parameters as, as a spoon such as a cow spoon there's so much opportunity for um to put your own mark on it yeah i'm looking we're looking at the picture on your website right now and i'm thinking i'm gonna make a tall spoon yeah <laughs> i think I can't remember what one, which ones I have on my website at the moment, but I I, I tend to make two different kinds. So oh, okay. I make, um, I think probably the ones that are up there at the moment are what I call the traditional yep. cow spoons. Yeah, and they're those are much more of a they're not an exact replica, mm-hmm. but they are the hand the handle style is the same as one that I've seen. Hmm. So right. those are much more traditional style of cow spoon um, the other ones that i made I, i've i've changed the design of the handle a little bit still mm. still mm. same idea but i've changed right. it and it's and those aren't that's not something that i've copied that's something that i've developed mm-hmm. um, so i make a couple of different you know different styles of those um and the same can be said for the dolphin spoons yeah are the yep. other I get you know if I'm known for making spoons, it's those yeah. those two sorts of spoons, as the cow spoons and the dolphin spoons. For sure. So, I mean, the dolphin spoons that I make are very much removed from the um, traditional ones, the old mm-hmm. antique ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have that, like the 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 influence of the shape, um, is um. Or to my mind, at least, very, very, very clear. Like I, I, so I, I, I started with trying to make kind of replicas of the old ones, mm-hmm. and then gradually developed that into a, um, I guess a more modern design. So they're a bit of a hybrid. They're a bit of a hybrid spoon, really. Like the bowl, the bowl is more like a Swedish style spoon. Yeah. Um, but the hand, the handle part, every everything from the bowl onwards, is influenced by um, Welsh spoons. Hmm. And those, that um, that the dolphin, the word I was thinking of earlier is optical illusion. Um, right. Yeah. So the handle on that, I see this feature now a lot on spoons I see online. Um, 
where the handle dips down. I actually have a spoon yeah. from Derek Sanderson that um, is has this feature where it's like there's really not any crank in the spoon, so to speak. It's more so the handle is cranked to make it so when you hold it, the bowl. Um, yeah. The angle of the bowl is, you know, the same way it would be if you'd crank the, the handle to the bowl. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. They're, they're, they're very, they're really interesting because they're not, um, as you say, they are, they are all in all, they're a relatively flat spoon. Yeah. Right. Um, material wise. Right. But, um, because, because of the way all the, all of the parts are put together. Right. Um, it creates the right kind of angle um, for you to eat at. Mm-hmm. And so in... So in I, oh, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, what was I going to say? Um, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> the, um, this idea of crank. Yeah. I think over the, over the past few years, like the more people, the more people that get into spoons, uh, to spoon carving sometimes i'm not bl- I'm, I'm absolutely not blaming anyone or pointing any fingers at anything but some sometimes i think terms get a little bit confused through yeah. ex- explanation mm-hmm. so when i think of crank it's not a particular part of the spoon because I, I know i've seen some people go oh that's the crank that part <laughs> what the crank of a spoon is it's the it's the relative angle from the bowl to where you hold it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, and it doesn't need to be that much because mm. you're humans. Are, humans are, are, are very uh, are fairly well evolved, and you can adjust. <laughs> you know, but um, we have flexible wrist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. um you can tweak things you know you can tweak spoons in your favor if you if you are getting the rel- the the, ang- the relative angle of where you're holding the spoon um and the bowl correct mm-hmm. so that with dolphin spoons on the end of the handle there's that little that little sort of bit that flicks back up again yeah and mm-hmm. when you hold, mm-hmm. they're generally designed to hold between your thumb and your forefinger yeah so when you hold them like that it holds the bowl at a night uh, uh, at the right kind of angle for you to scoop and mm-hmm. put in your mouth. Yeah, that reminds um, me of a funny story. So when I when I was kind of my first year into spoon carving, and I was you know immersing myself. This was back when the the Facebook group uh, was really going full steam, and probably still is. I just I'm not on there anymore. Um, but I was just immersed in like that, like you're saying, that Swedish aesthetic and idea, like use the crooked branch and all this stuff. And I remember. Um, a spoon I was really proud of. And now when I look at it, it's like, it's funny, but I'm so <laughs> proud of it. And it was like a really crooked branch. And it was probably like a 70 degree angle, this crook. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I carved the spoon and I was just so proud of myself. And now when I go to use it, it's like, man, you have to like hold your, you almost have to like tip, tip your whole hand yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to make it so the bowl will go in your mouth. Yeah. Um, so it's really impractical. Right. It's almost like a you know it's like a dipper than less of like an eating spoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to be, I've 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 made some of those in the past. <laughs> nothing yeah. to be ashamed of, mate. Yeah, I think it's the extreme the extreme cranks are are somewhat aesthetically pleasing. You know, like are, the figure yeah. is very aesthetically pleasing um, to look at. 
but you know, in yeah, terms of practicality yeah, and that's how easy form to over use. Function. That's form over that function. That, mm-hmm. that's, that, that ends up being form over function. And that's, yeah. Oh, um, yes. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. That's not very solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sells on Instagram, but you're probably not going to use it much. <laughs> well, I mean, it, yeah, it's, um, for me at least it's really nice that the um that that there's more people carving different sorts of spoons right so i mean that's why that's why i started on the dolphin spoons and the cow spoons is because there wasn't anybody doing that yeah Um, no i don't see them much and when you were talking about the cow spoons even even now that there's not that many people no um but um Definitely, at least the, the the dolphin spoon elements have crept into general spoon carving. Mm, yeah, for sure. as you know, you've seen you've seen pictures on um, on the Facebook and um, and Instagram with those that kind of um, the swoop or the spine, the, the, the swoop and the hump behind the bowl. Yeah. Um, um, that yeah, that I mean that filtered filtered through you know a few like a, a year or so into um when i was carving them started filtering through to other to 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 other to other things but it's um it's interesting to see and you know the the social media has been such a uh positive a, a general positive for sloyd craft um in craft in general, Sloyd spoon carving, um, right, it, 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 it helps people not being quite so much of a bubble. Mm. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've, like, like I said, when I, when I started spoon carving, when I started spoon carving, there wasn't that, you know, there wasn't that Facebook group. Um, that wasn't there. Um, there wasn't that much to go on apart from a few books. Right. Um, and there was really that many people teaching spoon carving here mm-hmm. um, at the time, but um, so you know if you're if you're only if you're carving in like a bubble of yourself, you can you can you can um, track your improvement to what you were doing, but you don't right. necessarily know what other people are doing. But it's it's, it's so much easier now um, with 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 um, social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. be able to see what people are up to um get get a bit of inspiration from from other people see what other you know see what they're doing and mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's, it's almost a, it's a, almost it's overwhelming a lot easier than, than than yeah it can be absolutely it's a lot easier than 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 going to find a museum with some spoons in <laughs> that's uh, for sure or, or, or finding old antiques books to buy um yeah so the other uh spoon that i'm really interested that i don't see i also don't see these really at all is the medieval Mm. spoon um and from what i understand because i know robin wood used to carve a lot of these and uh the fig spoon yeah barn carves carves one that he calls the fig is that right yeah i think the 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 ones that you're thinking of that rob carved were the um 
Galician spoons. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, you're right. That, that, was, that was a style of spoon that Barn used to carve as well. But the medieval spoons are based on a different spoon to that. Oh okay. So the medieval spoons were based. So the, the medieval spoons that I make are based on the blanks that I used to make for Barn. Oh okay. Um, because every so often I would do one that wasn't up to Barn standard, which is fair enough. I can hold my hands up to that. Um, but rather than having wasted my time, if it was a u, if it if I thought it was usable, but not uh, good enough for barn, I could take it home and improve, and, and Im- I could improve it, and then make a make a spoon myself out of it. Mm-hmm. So I started developing uh, a, a, a different a different spoon, but along the sa- you know along the same lines, using the same blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got different features to to to, to Barnes um, to Barnes ones, but it's based off of the same idea, um, and that his his initial idea for the for the fig spoon, and the medieval spoon, was it is a spoon that's in the Museum of London. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's um. So yeah, the, the, those I I I went through a big period of not making those because there was hmm. a, there was an amount of um i was a hell of there was a hell of a lot of people basically started doing the same thing hmm. right um and i wanted i it got it it bummed me out a bit <laughs> so i stopped <laughs> making it but i i enjoy i enjoy making them um and right. i have i have them more recently and if i teach class if i teach like beginners classes if it's a spoon carving class, then that's the spoon that I will start teaching because they're really simple. Right, right, um, yeah. And the, because of the way you carve them, um, they, you can make them out of flat pieces of wood. Yeah. And you carve the bowl in a particular, if you carve the bowl in a particular order, mm-hmm. um, it basically makes its own crank and you mm-hmm. don't have to add a big slot into it. So it makes the axe work very simple. Hmm. Got it. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I did. I did want. Uh, yeah. Sorry, what was that? You, you go. You go. I was going to say I did want to talk a little bit with your spoons about your uh, the tools you use because in my mind you're one of the kind of premier people that really push the limits of the Tuca cam, mm. um, and I know that also ties into. British heritage, especially Welsh heritage. Can you talk a little bit about that and uh, kind of how critical that tool is to your work and how it informs your designs as well? Yeah, sure. Um, so yes, the Tooker Cam was was um, that was one of the main things that I learned when I was working at Barnes actually, okay. um, because because he was um, because he was using that um, for pretty much all of his uh spoon bowls it meant i needed to, i needed to do it as well mm-hmm. because i was prepping the stuff for him and because of the way the the, the tooker cam knife works um you kind of need to use one so um to do the roughing out so that you can use one to do the finishing mm. because what that knife does because of because of the shape of it which is a lot more even uh, it's like an even radius, a large even radius blade. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as opposed to the more traditional spoon knives the mm-hmm. cut that it takes dictates the width and the depth of your spoon right. so it's so if you imagine it as a half circle and then at any um at any parallel line down that half circle that's going to give you a particular depth and width of a section mm-hmm. of that half circle does that make sense yes yeah. sir yeah um so if you're starting out carving a um carving a spoon you uh if i was to be using a a, a, like a a standard spoon knife i could make that spoon too deep to be able to reach the bottom i can make it wide so Mm -hmm. that the edges wouldn't reach so to because it's a the took a cam is was envisioned as like a production tool to be making a design of spoons um, rather than just to be an everyday spoon knife um, it makes it really quick to cut a bowl with the took a cam if you're working in that way right so is that all you use for your spoon carving do you use any other types of hooks um generally generally i just use the tooker cam i mean i i sometimes i'll do some finish i'll do a little bit of finishing with a with with a a, a traditional spoon knife but uh, yeah. generally i just use the tooker cam hmm. nice. it's only like yeah. if if I, if I have like a if i have like a bad bad bit of grain um mm-hmm. that i can't quite get with the cam i'll i'll switch to a hmm. to to a regular spoon knife that's but pretty certainly impressive. the vault majority of work is done with the took account and and with, with that you can do rough work and you can do finishing work with it as well as long as you've got the tool control yeah i need that's to, the toughest <laughs> i need to work on that because i i mike and i both we got some from nick westerman like last year and mm-hmm. um i i love using it. i use it for all kinds of things i just i don't have the technique down to be feel super confident to use just that and mm. like yeah. I, know, I can I can use it in certain instances for like I use it for ladles a lot. Right. Um yeah. I mean I think I think a lot of people seem to use them um because they they're a big tool relative mm. to a you know if they're they're a big they're a big blade. Yeah. So people people will think oh that's just for big stuff. Right. But it's but they but they're not like they the generally the the ones that Nick makes um, and the ones that Ben Orford makes um, are they're a really good size to do a good sized eating spoon with the yeah. right you know the right depth and the right width. Yeah, um, they they work out for those really well, rather than just being for big uh, for big stuff. Yeah, I but need I mean, to if watch. You want to learn how, if you want, yeah, if you, if you want to learn how to use them, there's a really good video on YouTube about. Them. <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say that i need to watch your video some more yeah 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 um, I, I haven't seen the video i generally use it for spatulas and, and ladles and you know some of the bigger size spoons but i found that putting yeah, yeah. putting the spoon like in the spoon mule clamping it down yeah that's all i could like do or putting it in a vice and clamping it down it just helps you you know i guess figure out the form oh yeah better. there's so i mean really there's so many different ways to use them um yeah. the, the 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 one the video that i've got on youtube is 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 that's how I yeah. use them, and I think that that you know that's how the certainly when when that tool was being developed, um, that was the idea of how yeah. to use them. 
Yeah, I have um, used a method uh, that. Um, go ahead, go ahead, Owen. I was gonna say I have used I've used a method that uh, Barn uses, um, where you use uh, you take a shoelace or some sort of a strap and you, that you you know, put around your neck, and you can uh, kind of it just gives you a little more yeah, leverage. It's like your fulcrum. Yeah, yeah, it gives you. It's like almost yeah, like a third third uh, hand. Yeah, and um, Nick Nicholas Carlson, I think, mm-hmm. has yeah. He uses that technique a lot. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, what I was going to, yeah, what I was going to say, sorry, was that, that the, even though there's lots of different ways to use the Tupacan, the stuff that I mentioned in the video about, about how to rotate it and mm-hmm. how to think about the, um, the shapes that you're going to get from it is, is right. applicable to however you hold, um, right. however right. you hold. Um, which might happen, you know, if if you guys are saying you're, you're, you're having difficulties with some stuff, that might help. Yeah, no, I, I need to study that because it is, it is all about my technique um, and just being able to leverage, leverage the handle enough where you don't, like I'm always holding it up close like a regular hook knife. And oh, it's, yeah, you yeah. don't get the power and it's just, it's, it's not well, very it's, effective. It's, it's, not so about, it's not so much about leverage. It's about rotation. Yeah, okay. rotating your wrist. Yeah, rotating your wrist as you're coming out of the cut. I found to be the best uh, solution. <laughs> doing, the, doing the whole cut as a as a rotation, yeah. rather than levering anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gotcha. I think because it's got a long because they have a big handle. Mm-hmm. That's the you know, that's the automatic um, uh, response to uh, to it is I'm gonna you know I'm gonna really give give that some some uh, a big push. Um, mm-hmm. whereas that might not actually be the best thing for it. Right. right. Yeah. I noticed on the ones we got from Nick Westerman also on the on the bevel, there's a small micro bevel. You can kind of see it. Um, mm. And I'm not sure why he had, I think I'm guessing it's just to help the knife find the cut, you know, like start the cut. And then as you come out of yeah, it. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have thought so. Um, yeah. But we can Nick's see, I can see a micro bevel on, on the one I have. Yeah, I mean Nick's real good at his geometry. So if 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 something's on there, then <laughs> it probably works. A... Not yeah. an accident. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, overall, I just think I I think the way that you make spoons that it's the the Tuka Cam is an integral part of it. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's a really unique thing that because I use a lot of different hook knives for my spoons. Mm-hmm. And there's like one that I use a lot, but um, I just love that your spoons are informed by that tool. Whereas you're, as opposed to, you know, just making whatever design you want and then using whatever you need to get that design. I just think that's so cool because it makes it, I don't know, there's a simplicity to it, um, like a finesse. uh, I don't know. There's something about it that's just unique, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a a lot to be said for simplicity, Mm. I think. Certainly. Uh, Sometimes, you know, if you, if you offer yourself too many, options you're going to start getting lost yeah yeah it'll it'll deter you from building consistency for sure uh, yeah oh i'll use it i'll I'll use this knife for this bit and this knife for this bit and this knife for this bit (laughs) probably making it more complicated than it needs to be yeah for sure i'm not saying that's the wrong way of working but for for me simplicity is the is the uh, one of the things i like about it so yeah. I, I use, you know, I'll, I'll use a straight knife, a took a cam, and a and a 
an axe and an adze for, for the vast majority of, of my spoons. Yeah. And sometimes I use a, you know, a, a regular spoon knife, but yeah. um, I don't, I don't have them. You know, I have a bunch of tools, but that's because I do teaching. I don't mm-hmm. have, I don't like have a personal set of loads of tools. Mm-hmm. Um, just because right. I like it simple, and also I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm earning my money through green woodworking, and so I don't actually have that much money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I... Don't say that too loud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, break, I... breaking the, yeah, breaking the spell. Yeah. <laughs> I I have yeah, a lot of tools that are. We don't all have spoon-shaped swimming pools, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the price of some axes recently because I was just kind of toying with the idea of... Because I don't have any really... Like, all my axes are... Well, I have a couple of Robin Woods that I got back in the day, but pretty much everything else I have is I got off eBay or I tuned up from a, from a second-hand... Um, type thing and just the price it's like oh my god these mm-hmm. like like 300 bucks minimum mm-hmm. us dollars to get a like a really good yeah you know grand scores or uh, i was looking at some of the other stuff so yeah. yeah you know when you're when you're trying to make a living it it changes your whole perspective like on what tools you are going to use mm-hmm. and what you're going to make with them yeah yeah i mean I, they're I gonna, they're gonna make you money yeah i try and buy nice tools that are going to last for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. but I don't buy a lot of them. Yeah, if, you know, I, 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 I want I want stuff that I know is going to work, and if if I'm if I'm going to buy something, I will yeah. I I will spend on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't have I don't have I I'll just have one, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I can, that that's going to work best for me. Sure. So I'm gonna I'll, I'll get I'll get that one. But, yeah. um that's kind I, of my I philosophy don't... too yeah mike love, mike's, you know, mike's given me a lot that. of tools yeah, yeah I, I i think when i first started i just bought a lot of cheap tools but a lot and then i quickly realized yeah. like there's a limitation to having cheap tools you know as you get but i mean for a beginner it's it's kind of nice because you don't have to spend that much money and you can just kind of get started and get going but as you progress yeah. you know and you become better at it having a nice tool and a quality tool makes a world of difference. I mean, that's what I noticed in my, in my evolution of spoon carving. So yeah, I did give Mark a lot of my old cheap tools. And then, you know, like you were saying, I think that's a good philosophy to have as a maker is have one thing that's really good and really quality. You know, you might spend a lot of money on it, but it'll be a good investment, but only have one thing. You know, like I have a Grant Force Brooks axe, but that's like the only axe I ever used. I don't need any other axes. So it's kind of nice, you know, yeah. yeah, it was a lot of money, but, you know, it served me well and I use it all the time and I really enjoy using it. I don't need to collect all the Grand Force Brooks axes that are out there, but, you know, it is, it is nice to have a nice quality tool. It does make a world of difference for, for someone who's gotten better at what they do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, um, axes, my axes, certainly, I, I, I mean, I think I got those when I still had a pro, still adds my joinery job. Uh, a, a, proper job, a proper job i was gonna say well <laughs> um so i had the mo- i had the money to um to invest um so i've got a night i've got i've got a, one of those grand falls carving axes yeah um and um what else have i got i've got like a wetterlings 
one I use for mm. spoon carving, mm-hmm. uh, the wet, wetterling version of the Grand Swords Wildlife Axe. Yeah, right, right, which yeah. I got. Because it's really good. I got. I, it, it, I mean, it, they don't uh, wetterlings don't really exist that much anymore. I don't think mm. they. Right. Uh, they used to be a little bit cheaper than Grand Swords, which is why I got that one. And they're mm-hmm. very similar. Right. But yeah, quality, quality over quantity is what I. That's my. Um, yeah. yeah. That's my idea. Totally. For sure. When it comes to. Yeah. Well, uh, let's talk about some of your turning because uh, I'm curious, kind of what at what point did you start focusing on doing bowl turning on the bowl lathe and plate turning and end grain and you've kind of. Um, all the turnings. Yeah, you've kind of you've kind of hit all the. You've kind of um, not. I said mastered last time to Yov, and he was like, "Well, I'm not a master, but I mean, like you've kind of you've explored you you've explored me. the repertoire." Yeah, yeah. You can say master to me. I'm not. I'm not as humble as you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've mastered the repertoire of you know from the bowl to the plate to the end grain cup to the lidded box, um, to the nests to what else? What is it? the the flask? Yeah. Um, you know, you were one of the first people I saw turning flask besides Jared Dahl. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, when, how did, how did the bowl turning kind of become another, because it seems like a pretty big part of what you do now. Um, yeah, yeah, that... yeah. Uh, I do more, I, yeah, I do way more turning than I do spoon carving. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so actually I, I st- think I probably started bowl turning before I started spoon carving. Oh, okay. Um, mm. So going, go yeah, going going back to that um, that that sort of first experience uh, of green woodworking that I had um, when I got and it, so before I went to Mike's, um, mm-hmm. I built a pole lathe. Okay. Um, and I started doing turning on like spindle turning, which is what most people, at the, certainly at the time at least anyway, um, most people started spindle turning on the pole lathe. Um, I started doing that, but I quite rapidly got bored of the um, well, of what of the shapes that you could make, or mm. the the sort of projects that um that you can do as a, as a spindle turner. Right. Um, so I start, you know, I started looking into it, and obviously I I'd had I I had a few I had uh, Mike's books, um, and in that it mentioned bowl turning, um. And so I started looking looking into that um, because it seemed it, it, it attracted me more than spindle turning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a what I saw at least as a more sort of a more useful um, thing to thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I yeah I um, I found um, Ben Orford's website I think or did right. I meet or maybe met him at maybe i met him at a bodger's ball but um i bought a set of turning tools from him um and basically started having a go trying to work out how to do it because at, at the time i mean there might robin might have had a few youtube videos but i mean anyone who's ever watched them they're, you know they're not instructional videos they're just no, they're, they're like videos um and it, i think this it was definitely before ben did his instructional video mm. on YouTube. So I was kind of in, I was in the dark really. 
Um, I, you know, I wasn't, I was, I didn't feel I wasn't in a position to sort of uh, ring, you know, start emailing and ringing people, going, "Oh, can I come and look? Can I come and learn from you?" <laughs> um, so I, started, I just started trying to work it out, and eventually, I did <laughs> start. I did start working it out. Um, nice. So yeah, I've been turning bowls longer than I've been carving spoons, mm-hmm. um, and it's still something that obviously still something that i get a lot of pleasure out of um yeah it's um i mean you you know you mentioned all the different things that i've turned and it's um a lot of that's to do with it to keep to keep to keep my interest sure yeah um, i'm curious I, how uh, long did it take you sorry like go ahead on. sorry i i just I, I like i like new challenges um yeah 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 I was uh, so about like, challenges. About challenges. I was going to ask you how long did it take you to take the leap into making or starting end grain turning? I mean, you know, like I've been turning for a while and I don't do it, you know, to make money. But I yeah. tried end grain turning, and that was a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I, I had a hell of a time uh, turning a cup, and I just kind of gave up <laughs> halfway and said, "Screw this! I'm just going to go back to bowl turning." So, like, how long did it take you before you realized, like, okay, I think it's time to to try like something else, take on another challenge of, of you know, doing end grain and, or a flask or, you know, whatever it is um, that I you mean, wanted the, to the, do after bull turning. The end, end grain stuff, I've, I've only been turning end grain a couple of years. The mm-hmm. um, vast majority of, of, of my time turning has been doing bowls mm-hmm. or like side grained projects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, pro- I think when I, when I, when I first, well, I think the first time I started, I looked at doing end grain stuff. It was because it was getting um, all the cool kids were doing it, or it was, you know, <laughs> you know, everyone wanted cup. Everyone wanted start started wanting cups, right? So I was like, oh, I should, I should probably, um, I should probably give that a go because mm-hmm. you know, got got bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I've probably had this. I think I probably had the similar experience to you. So I was like, oh, you know, what's it? Just scrape, you know, scraping and scratching and getting diggings, yeah. and <laughs> it's a very different. It's a very different thing to um, cross grained turning. Very, yeah. very different. Um, yeah, for sure. But you know, I was still. I. I, I was. Um, I, I. I. I just persevered and kept trying every so often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, kept kept practicing. Yeah, you know, the longer the longer you use hook tools, the better. Obviously, the better you understand how they work, so you can start recognizing. Okay, well, it should be doing this, but it's doing this. Where do right. I where do I need to position it so that it does what I want it to do? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, you know, it's it, it's very helpful when you know how to make your own tools. Right. Because if you know, some sometimes you'll have a you'll have a hook tool that is just not going to do what it needs to. Like there's mm-hmm. no there's not an angle that you can hold it at that it's going right. to do what you want it to do. Um, I especially found that with you know it took me a bunch of times to work out with end grain turning especially mm-hmm. um, uh, angle you know angles that you need and the you know what sort of um, how you form how you form the uh, the hook on the end, and do you need to open out a little bit, or do you need to close it in a little bit? And 
um and obviously every, everything because because there's no standard you know there's not a standard pole lathe design mm-hmm. different tools are going to work differently on different lathes and yeah, with different right. people because the human body is so involved in pole lathe turning mm-hmm. a, a different person could step up to the exact same lathe with the exact same tool and str- <laughs> and with the you know with the exact same experience level and it won't it might not work the same for them just because their body's different yeah or they're slightly different mo- um, movement yeah yeah very uh, true. we've we've experienced this firsthand mike and i <laughs> yeah. we built the lathe yeah. for uh for uh, a a festival that happens here on the farm where mark lives and it worked really well for me not so much mark <laughs> <laughs> i ruined so many bowls on that damn lathe <laughs> uh, i mean you know that's 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 um that's part of paying your dues yeah the, the, you know the 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 pile of bowls that i've ru- that i've ruined in my in in the years that i've turned been turning is uh, I'd, I'd shudder to think yeah no it's um, that's a huge part of the learning curve we have another friend um who got into pole lathe turning and he he lives up in wisconsin now but he he sent me a message a few months ago and he was like man i i was trying to turn yesterday and like every bowl i turned it just the hook kept digging in and I kept turning through and he was like, he was distraught. I mean, he was like legitimately distraught and he's like, is it me? Is it the tool? Like I just said, you know, that's just part of the process, man. You, yeah. You have days like that where, cause there's so that's the thing with pole turning that I found is there's so much subtlety to it. I mean, you could like, I, I learned from Jared Dell and Robin Wood in a class mm-hmm. and even still yeah. being taught by them, there are so many things that can't be verbalized. Sure. about pole sure. turning because yeah. there's like yeah, subtle yeah, yeah. angles cool. and um yeah it is it's it's a very 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 tricky skill it is I, when, whenever people ask oh i i though i always explain it the best i can and i can i i feel i can explain it i can explain it quite well but there's there's it always feels like a bit of a cop out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you so much of it is reliant on feel. Mm, yeah. I mean, that that's true across all across all handcraft. There's always an element of feel to it. Yeah, right. sure. Um, but um, yeah, there, there's you know you've got to feel where the edge of the tool is. Right. Yeah, and that uh, and you can't you can't really teach that aside from saying, I, all right, there's there's a point where you're going to rotate the tool. <laughs> and it's going to feel and you're going to feel a little catch yeah. and that's your cutting point yeah and that but that's about that's about as <laughs> you know as, as definitive an explanation of it as you can give pretty much yeah. but yeah. that's not really that's not that's not um really conveying the feel yeah but man <laughs> once yeah. once that happens it's like it's, it's an amazing yeah. feeling it's literally, yeah. it's like, whoa, the Sloyd gods have blessed me. I know how to turn. It's, it really yeah. is. Once, once you get the hang of it and you start, you know. And then the shaving. next day they take it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next day your hook breaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's always um, a bummer. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, um, going back to what you were, you were asking about all the, you know, the different things that I i turn it's i I like i like new challenges Mm -hmm. so i um 
you know it's someone someone says oh you know you you, you oh yeah not many people can turn a nest mm. that's pretty much impossible turning a nest which was certainly what was when I was when I was starting turning that you know that was like unattainable because right. <laughs> so few people did it and it, I think probably in, at, at that time it was probably only really Rob Wood that we that we knew about that mm. could turn nests. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's you know that sort of made me go well okay. Don't tell me I can't do that because I'm going to try and do, you know I'm going to try and do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you know it was it was difficult, yeah. but you can learn you know you can learn how to do it, and that's you know that's where you get, um, that's where you get enjoyment is achieving. Yeah, totally. Know, and, um, doesn't matter how long you how long you take to 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 achieve that if you yeah. if you're if you're consciously practicing and con- trying to consciously improve, then you get, you're going to, you, you'll get there. Um, yeah. you know, the, the, um, you know, the, the, with the, with regards to the boxes and the flasks, um, and actually probably end grain turning that, that was a lot, a lot of that was to do with a, with a sort of meetup I had with Jared, um, mm. and, um, Yoaf and uh, and Sharif, mm-hmm. that uh, Jared came over a few a uh, few years back, um, and taught like a little sort of closed closed session, um, bit of end grain turning and a bit about the lock and lid boxes, mm-hmm. um, and that was um, for my end grain turning was was very very helpful and um, yeah the box the and the box the boxes too because I I make a lot of those mm, yeah lock- yeah now um that that was great but then the locking lid boxes that led on to me doing the flasks because Hmm. for me for me i could see that the 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 certain elements of the boxes weren't that dissimilar to how you would maybe make a flask Hmm. um so it's like you know i did i develop i develop i would develop a, a set of skills to do one thing um the locking lid box for example so I, I i learned how to do those i worked out how to do those uh well and then i was like okay so where can i take where can i take that from from this point <laughs> i could apply it to that i could apply it to this i could apply that same sort of locking technique to different boxes to different mm-hmm. shapes see if that will work mm-hmm. um or okay or like the with the flasks so they're basically, you know, they're the flasks are turned cross grain, yeah, um, in two parts, um, and the so the the main the main body is one piece, and then there's like a plug that fits into it, right? Seal it up, um, which that's you know you you hollow you hollow it through the, through a through a side, and then you you fill the gap with the plug, right? And that plug. Is very similar in shape to the uh, lids of a locking lid box. Oh right, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I see that it, now. It's not. It's not removable. It's mm-hmm. you have to. You have to turn it really, really accurately so it sits in there tightly. And and as, yeah. and as both parts dry, they shrink together. Nice. Um, but um, 
you know, there's similarities jump, you know, jumping from one project to another project, um, not project, sorry, uh, one item to a different item, there's similarities. And I, I, if I looked back hard enough, I can probably, I can probably see my thought pattern. Mm -hmm. I could probably work out what my thought pattern was at the time. It Mm -hmm. it would be like, Oh, you know, it's probably, Oh, I want, it was probably, Oh, I wonder if, (laughs) I wonder if I do that. If I do this, will this happen? If I do this, would that work? And that sort of thing. Um, I mean, you know, I, I've obviously I've seen um, examples of of of, of of other people doing doing things or old examples, and so, and it's like, well, if one person can do it, then surely another person can work out how that happen, you know, how that works. And yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, like nesting, for example, like well, I think when I turned my first nest. There wasn't really that. There wasn't really. I don't think there was anyone apart from Rob, and maybe Jared, mm. that had done a net, mm-hmm. or it's not, or certainly not a larger one. Um, right. Um, but now there's quite a few who have not still not loads, but there's there's a lot more than the than there was when I started bowl turning. Right. Um, well, they're time consuming, uh, right? And the, and the price could be, you know, oh, yeah, pretty yeah. high for something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and really for for doing nests, you need to you need to be making your own tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think at least anyway you you need you need to be making your own tools for right. doing it because, you know, the shapes of the tools need to follow the shape of the bowl that you're making. And right. um it's not it's not the same as like the it's not the same as the the ones you can get for powered lathes. That just like right. cut out a cut out a set core. It's quite yeah. a dynamic thing to to be able to cut um, to cut underneath a, a bowl without a, a fixed jig. Sure. Yeah. Um, so it's you know it's quite important to. That's one of the reasons it's quite important to learn how to make tools. Well, certainly, it's certainly if you want to be be turning like the more technical complex stuff that's something that you need to do that you would probably need to learn would be how to make tools because then you can make tools that suit you rather than um um you know that everyone that i know that makes that makes bowl turning hooks are very good at what they do but they Mm -hmm. can't they don't you can be the best tool maker in the world but you can't necessarily um create exactly what somebody else wants no yeah it's super it's so tough yeah it's so tough we we uh well mike got some uh nesting hooks from uh adrian lloyd and Mm. we we've never been able to figure out how they work (laughs) they always they always dig in and they're, they're like it's just yeah it's crazy how specific the tool making is for for pole lid turning and um I know I mentioned this last time on our, our last chat that uh, well, the trick I came up with <clears throat> is just using a piece of flexible wire. And I was doing it the other day when I was turning because I needed one hook for a smaller bowl. And so when I, especially when I'm doing the nest, because I normally turn an eating bowl and then the core I turn into a small, smaller bowl. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I'm in the middle of hollowing the first bowl, I'll take a piece of wire and just kind of bend it in there. 
until the tip of the wire is hitting the spot I'm trying to hit. And I, you know, save that as a template. So when I go to the forge, I just make my hook in that shape and it works out really well. Yeah. I just, I can hit that spot exactly how I want to. And, um, I've done it, I've done it the other way, just trying to visualize it and draw it. And it's not the same as having that wire where it just hits right yeah. in that spot. Yeah. But yeah, oh, that's a really good way of doing it. I think, um, yeah, certainly. It very much it, it it kind of almost it's kind of really is a thing of to to um to get the tools for making a nest you almost mm-hmm. have to have made the nest first right yes so, so you know the shape of tools that you need right yes, yes um, absolutely it it is it's I, mean, I, I know I'm, I'm making it sound really complex and it, it is quite it is quite a complicated thing but it's it's it's, it's it's attainable if people if you um if you focus on it you know yeah. and come, come you know that's a really good way of doing it i mean i you know people work differently as well like they're probably there's there's probably people out there who could just sort of draw and visualize <laughs> i'm sure not, yeah. everyone, not everyone's like that like, i'm not like that i i, I rarely draw anything out um <laughs> Um, I, 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 I'm more of a visualizer than a, than a, than a set, set down on paper kind of person. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. What, um, uh, Owen, what's, what's your favorite thing to turn at the moment? I mean, I'm sure it changes a lot, but what do you really find yourself getting excited to turn? Good question. Good question. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. It very much depends on, um, it depends on the day. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i really like um i really like turning the boxes mm-hmm. and the flop um yeah because they're, com- they're complex they're they're mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't think that you could make out of green wood mm-hmm. right um and they you know they're they're reliant on your accuracy of turning mm-hmm. and your knowledge of how wood is going to move as well so right. that you know it, it's not just it's not just like it's not just one thing it's like they're those two things in particular i think are more sort of all-encompassing of being a good pole lathe turner sure um rather than you can just you know rather than just turning a good bowl or a good end grain cup mm-hmm. um, i think that the, the, those are the real those are the real challenging things mm. is the it's almost like joinery especially yeah, the yeah. Bo- well both of them, the, uh, the you know the box has moving parts that have to move after you have to cut them right in the first place and then uh, but then allow enough for them to dry so that the lock will work properly mm. uh, it's um getting them right is good fun yeah those are, I mean, and as with anything else, getting them wrong is horrendous and makes you call <laughs> everything. But uh, <laughs> um, I, I think probably boxes are my my favourite thing to turn. I just nice. did a couple today, actually. Um, oh, which, awesome! Which was good fun. But um, that's great. I mean, it, it, it you know it de- it depends, and I think the, the way I, the way I've sort of set myself up to work is is so that I don't have to do endless slogs of just one thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um because I, I i personally find that very difficult um i did um maybe 
five years ago or so. I did like a big order for a fancy, um, a fancy homeware shop in London, mm-hmm. and I had a real short deadline to turn a hell of a lot of bowls on the pole lathe, and I did it. Um, and it was definitely an experience, but um, it was such hard work to make mm. that many in in a, in a in a short space of time that I I kind of had to have a break for a while because I just didn't want to. It sort of kind of killed the killed the love. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Temporarily, like, you know, it, it was just too much. Um, yeah. It was just way too much for me. Yeah. So now what, like I said, when I was talking about the spoons, I now, I do, I still work in batches, but I don't do, um, I don't work in big batches. Um, what I tend to do is work month to month, decide what I'm going to make mm-hmm. or what, what range of things I'm going to make. And then I'll, then I'll do that rather than be in a position where I'm, you know, maybe like trying to um, keep my website constantly stocked up which is what I was doing at one point. And that was, that mm. was like, Oh, I need, I need a couple of these. I need a couple of these. And that didn't work for me either because then I couldn't get into the flow of making something. Cause I was just making a few things every so often, you know, uh-huh. a couple, I need a couple of bowls to fill, to, to fill that space in the shop. I need to, a couple of these spoons. I need a couple of these spoons. It, it I, I've simplified my way of working and it seems to I feel a lot happier doing it this way yeah. um yeah. than um over uh over making one thing yeah in binge making there you go binge making <laughs> i i think you said it best it definitely kills the love like you know production work i think that's one of the downsides to it is that you're just so focused on deadlines or filling orders and you know, or yeah, like yeah, a commission yeah. is sometimes just the joy is taken out of it. And it's like, wow, you know, like it really makes you wonder, you know, how can I do this and keep the love <laughs> rather than yeah. just be running to the, to make it to the deadline? Yeah. I mean, you know, the right way is going to be different for everybody. Um, I tend not to take commissions that much. Or it's certainly, it's certainly in the past I haven't taken commissions. I, I've started, I have started now. So um if anyone wants anything don't be shy <laughs> but uh because of the deadline thing you know it's um i i, I won't take a commission with a dead with a strict deadline mm. uh, it's got to be at my my pace and yeah, my, you know yeah, my, pace, if my pace isn't isn't it's not slow mm-hmm. but i don't i don't want that i don't want to work with that pressure of i need to get this finished this week right Right. Unless it's you know, unless it's my fault for procrastinating, and then, <laughs> and then it's then it's fair enough. But um, sure, you know, it, it, that I find very difficult. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, production work isn't for everybody, sure. and that's fine. Yeah. Like it, you know, it doesn't make you a better, um, it doesn't make you a better spoon carver just because you do production work, right? right. I mean, it, it does. It does take skill to, to to replicate something using an organic material. That's you know sometimes. Oh sure, sure. Not sure, always the it, same, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's but it's not you know, but it's not for everybody, right? Um, I I I work I work in I work in a kind of a middle. I I kind of feel like it's a bit of a middle ground. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't consider myself like a 
production turner or production carver because I work in small batches. But right. I definitely do more production stuff than than um, than some people do, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I'm kind of cherry pick cherry pick the good parts of each, right? And that suits that suits me. That suits um, suits the way I the, the 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 way I've decided to sell stuff. It suits my mental health better, mm-hmm. and it keeps me interested by being able to do different things every so often rather than mm. just do one thing um for for a long time right yeah and that's i, f- I feel like that's the challenge for anyone that's trying to make like because you know a lot of people i think carve spoons or turn bowls and it's it's kind of just like a side hustle type thing um my side hustle <laughs> but like I, I know from experience trying to to make it something that brings in you know measurable income it is it's challenging to balance the kind of the business side of it where you need whatever you know maybe you have a, a certain amount you you need or desire to make monetarily and then finding a way to do that where it's not draining you of your passion for it you know mm. Mm. yeah yeah well yeah. said and that's and i i've i've worked for myself for shoot almost 12 years now and maybe 10 12 years and i found that to be the biggest challenge one of the biggest challenges is is trying to balance out that thing that to find that balance so that I want to keep going with whatever it is I'm making money doing, um, but not just kind of defaulting to just doing exactly what I want and then at the expense of being able to you know have a certain quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a big, definitely a big challenge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we we talk we talked the. The in the um in the pre- the previous time we spoke about um about why you know why I stopped uh, going out to markets, mm, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Th- that again was that was a, that was a choice that uh, that was a choice that I made because of because of this where I you know where the the area that I live in and the uh, um how how I was how I was um, working at the time. Mm-hmm. It just ended up not working out for me. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't. Um, it wasn't how I wanted to spend my time, yeah. and so I, I developed a more productive way of um, spending my time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's 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 such a different lifestyle when you're chasing the customer around because <laughs> that's yeah. kind of, that's what doing markets is. You're like making yeah, yeah. it so that you're in front of the customer all the time. Because uh, you know, I've done that in selling stuff at farmers markets, both with my woodcraft and farm products. Um, and we have good friends that that's all. That's like the main way they make an income is selling their farm products at market. And it's just, it's like sometimes it feels like you're going against yourself. It's like, well, I wanted to do this thing to have this lifestyle and quality of life, and then I'm just like running around all the time trying to, you know, because that's how I get my income. Yeah. So yeah, it is. Um, it is nice to find that balance that works, you know, yeah. meet both ends. And it, the balance is going to be different, different for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, some some people some people some people would prefer going out to markets and they'll do well at it. But I I I wasn't doing as well as I needed to be um, when I was doing the market. So I developed my website and my social media better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I find, which I find is 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 for me is better, yeah. um, and I can use my time. I can use my time more efficiently doing that than if I was at, than if I was at market. Um, yeah, 
Do you find that most of your customers, what's the avenue that you find most of your customers come to you through? Is it through Instagram or Facebook, or is it just they naturally are looking for a wooden bowl and they find your website searching around on the internet? I think it, I think the majority of that. Well, the, I know that the majority of visits to my website are via Instagram. Mm. Mm. Nice. Um, just you know, just from looking at like the analytics of it. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. And I get a lot. You know, search engine uh, like Google, um, a, a lot come through there as well. So I, I okay. don't, I can't, I can't tell whether those whether it's specific searches. Or if people are just looking for wooden bowls, um, yeah, that's that's it, a topic, it, it, Evan. It's hard. It's hard to tell. I'm not very. Good. I'm not amazing with the analytics. Like if if I spent a load of time and learned about it, you can learn so much and much, like focus your focus your um advert. Well, for want of a better word, advertising your social media presence. You can focus yeah. it better if you really understand the, 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 all the analytics and stuff, but I mean, I, I'm not at that, I'm not at that level, you know, I, um, but, um, it's interesting to see where a lot of stuff comes from. Um, yeah. But it is, is def it's definitely, um, majority social media. Yeah. Uh, interesting. That's a whole discussion that I feel like we could do an episode on is like the marketing and yeah. Cause, cause it is it is such a niche type of woodworking and um it's hard to be seen this is at least my experience and and thought is it's hard to be seen like as a you know spoon carver i mean if you just search hand carved spoon on google or whatever there's so many pages that contain that word right um I don't, every time I've done it, I didn't find someone I knew that carved spoons and sold them. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's really, that's such an interesting, um, just that whole aspect of being a maker that is making a living selling and then figuring out how to find the person that wants to buy your thing. Um, Because in, in, in in, you know, using Instagram or Facebook, which are, you know, basically designed to advertise stuff uh, is, it's an interesting, interesting um, topic. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that a good way to think about it. I I, re- I was re- reading something the other, something about you know you, how how best to use Instagram and things the other day, and what the general gist of it was is don't don't try not to think of Instagram as advertising. Mm. Think about it as it's creating interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what you, what you post has to be needs to be interesting. Right, it needs. Right. It, it needs. You know, you you need to think about your fo- You know, your photographs or your videos, and 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 what you yes. write being something that is connecting you with other people, or mm-hmm. can, you know, making other sorry, making other people feel a connection to you, and mm-hmm. creating yeah. interest in in you, or, yeah. um, and then that will develop into, um people looking at your website because they're interested in what you're mm-hmm. doing sure yeah, uh, yeah for sure uh, over recent years certainly because because of the way facebook and instagram have in are integrated um and the way that they um the algorithm works with regards to advertising and stuff i think pe- people are very aware when they're being advertised to 
and they don't necessarily like it. Yeah, well, so they. Yeah. It's more important yeah, that... to, you know, you, you know, obviously, you know, I, I, if you've got a new shop, if you've got um, put a load of new stuff on your website and you want to tell people about it, tell them about it. But the the, the if you want to if you want to genuinely grow and genuinely grow people who have a genuine interest in what you're doing, then you need to be creating that interest and not just trying to advertise because people yeah. don't <laughs> want to advertise all the time. They they want they want to be interested and invested in um what you're doing. Yeah. Instead of uh just posting every day, hey I sell spoons. Hey I sell yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know probably works it, again it probably works for some people who are yeah no that's market. true. Uh, I you know I I I try I trained as a I trained as a carpenter and I've, I, I have, and I, I have a qualification in photography, but I def, definitely don't have a qualification in marketing. <laughs> so something that I've got, that I've struggled, <laughs> struggled with quite a lot and worked out by trial and error, mostly, mostly error. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's how I think I, that's how I learned too, is by error. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the yeah. path of success. The path of success is full of errors. That's a that's a whole subject matter unto its own. Um, I want to we're get, we're kind of getting towards the end. I feel like, but I did want to ask you before we start to wrap up because um, you just recently, I guess over the I guess over the, the past year, started uh, building a Japanese style lathe, and uh, I know you're kind of in the midst of <clears throat> learning the ins and outs of that and and adapting your workflow to that. Can you tell us? why you why you decided to build one and and how that is fitting into your whole um kind of production method and and your philosophy of of handcraft yeah i um yeah it's probably probably getting on for a year now actually i think i i started building it at the beginning of the the beginning of the pandemic actually okay so, yeah we're about on, we're almost on a year now mm-hmm. um I part well a large part of it was because I wanted to I wanted a bit I wanted a bit more of a challenge as I was saying <laughs> uh, it makes yeah, uh, cool. it sound really egotistical doesn't it I'd, I'd done everything on the pole lathe and I just I needed a new challenge because it wasn't a challenge <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't take it that way uh, but you want to be cool like all the other kids okay. uh, basically, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I um, I saw Jared. I saw Jared using his one. Um, I'd I'd seen them in the past, and I thought they were really interesting. Um, you know, I've seen a few videos, um, out and about, um, with guys doing the doing the turn. I was like, that, that's the sort of lathe I've never seen before. And I kind of recognized, you know, I kind of recognized the hook tools from, 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 uh, pole lathe turning, mm. but I never really could, f- I could never really find much information about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, certainly through a lot of my po- time pole lathing and being in the green woodwork world, there's always been a bit of an element of purity to it, <laughs> um, which I've kind of, I've kind of started moving away from that idea of that real sort of dogmatic approach yeah right to woodworking or you know it has to be this it has to be that 
Um, so a lot of it was to do with well, yeah, some it's something new. It's 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 a new a new challenge, but also I had kind of maxed out my productivity on on the pole lathe. Um, it, you know, I, in regards to I I couldn't physically make more. I couldn't make any more stuff in a day. Yeah, uh, mm. I was than I was able to at that at that point. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, money's money's a thing when you when you're doing something for a job. Money's money's a concern. Um, and I was finding that I was I was doing okay. But you know, I, I, you know, I just got, I've just got married, and you know, we want to have our own house one day and stuff like that. So I need to be being right. more productive. And right. as I was, I, I wasn't able to do that on the pole lathe. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't physically, um, I couldn't physically turn more than I was. So when uh, when Jared started working on it, it was a very interesting option. Um, because of the similarities of the tools, right, um, and also this the, the similar way that he seemed to be approaching it to to um, to how I approach my craft. Um, so it, it kind of showed that you don't have to just because a lathe has got a motor, an electric motor in it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to abandon your um design inspirations or your mm. sloyd history or tradition of turning and just start turning what you you know what I, what I would class consider to be like stand you know your normal modern electric turned bowl um you don't have to abandon that it's all it's all about how you approach it mm. where where your um where your influences come from and if you carry that influence over you're not going to be um uh compromising your integ- your your craft integrity your sloid yeah. integrity um if you are approaching it in that same manner that I would be approaching a pole lathe um so it, it's different turning on it it is different and I can I can see the difference in the tool marks of, of, of what I make on the Japanese lathe and what I make on the pole lathe. Mm. But aesthetically, in a more general in a more general sense, aesthetically, they're very similar. I can I can make what I can make what I make on a pole lathe on the Japanese lathe. Yeah. Um, but I am able to make more of them. Mm. Which, I'm curious how much. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, how much time do you think it's saving you? I'm just just out of curiosity. Um, being on a Japanese lace versus a pole. Good question. Um, so I turn differently on the mm-hmm. um, on the on the Japanese lathe as I do on the pole lathe. So when I'm on the pole lathe, I would be, I would. It takes me about an. It takes me about an hour to turn a bowl. Mm-hmm. But I always make a nest of two, mm-hmm. so I get like an eating bowl size and then a small bowl out of the middle. So I'd actually yeah, be making two bowls. I'd be making two bowls out of one blank in a, in about mm-hmm. an hour. Got it. Um, 
on the Japanese style lathe, I probably take um I mean, to be honest, it's hard to tell. I'm probably half hour, 40 minutes. Okay. Probably half hour um, okay. to, to make a bowl. One but, bowl. Yeah. Not nested. But not, I, without being nested. Yeah, well, not not nested, no. Um, well, I guess you can't nest, can you, on a... Well, never, never say never. I haven't tried yet, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I haven't spent loads of time turning bowls on that lathe. Right. Um, so, so I don't know. If, I don't know if that's my fault. If that's my proper working speed at the moment. I see. So fifty percent to almost almost a third of the time, I guess, or a little over a third of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I, and but with the with the Japanese lathe, I can work for longer. Mm, right. Less less fatigue. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so in a day, I'd be may I'd be turning maybe. Um, five or six bowl blanks on mm. a pole lathe. So that would be five or six eating bowls and five mm. or six um little little bowls as long as long as I didn't muck those up. Um but I can probably I can do maybe eight or nine eating bowls mm. on the Japanese lathe. Nice. Wow. Uh, That's pretty um, good. I haven't really spent, you know, I, I've not spent a massive amount of time yet um, sitting down and, and 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 working and getting faster. I'm still, even though I've started building it a year about a year ago, like it, it's, I'm still, le- I'm still very much learning, mm-hmm. and I'm learning about how best to make the tools on it because the angles are different. Yeah, the, the tools are very similar, but the angles are different. So I'm still learning. Um quite a lot about the tool making for that particular setup mm-hmm. um but yeah it means i could be working for i, I have a long I, i'm able to have a longer working day right uh, do you I'm not, uh i'm not having to have rests i'm not having to rest as much yeah um, so what i would do when i was pole lathe turning was i'd probably do two bowls and then have a re- have a rest for for a bit and then do do some more, so I wasn't overexerting. Yeah. Do you do you generally prepare your blanks a day in, in advance? Um. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I do. Um. Or I, I at least start thinking about doing them. Uh, you know, like I'll I'll I'll, I'll cut I'll maybe cut some logs the the, the previous day. I mean. I've I've only do, I've just had I've just changed um my working days at the the place where I teach. Yeah. So what I what I was working previously I, my week was split up so I was like mm. one day one day at the uh, at the one day teaching, one day in my workshop, one day teaching, one day in the mm. workshop, one day teaching. Mm. But now I've swapped so that I've got like a block of two days together. Uh, so I'm going to be able to be more productive now because yeah, I can yeah have a have more of a um uh, a run of time doing stuff yeah than than having it split up so again there's there's lots of different factors into how productive i can be um or how productive i am going to be that i'm not sure about at the moment because i because i'm in a bit of a new uh time uh setup but i think Mm -hmm. 
more productive, which will be good. And then nice. that'll, that'll allow me to spend a bit more time pre- like prepping better. Yeah, yeah. One thing um, that I don't know if you ever do this, or do you use like a bandsaw or anything for your bowl blanks? Oh, I wish I had a bandsaw. Yeah, because I, I, well, I, I don't I don't have one at the moment. Um, I I chainsaw, chainsaw and then axe. Yeah, um, yeah. But um, I mean, the, the workshop I have is doesn't have a proper power supply. Uh, right. um, I, I run my I run my lathe off from a small generator. Oh uh, wow! Um, and I don't think it would run a bandsaw, or not mm. the small bandsaw that I'd probably need to um, to prep blanks up properly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I find a nice, when I find a better workshop, I will probably get a bandsaw. But yeah. at the moment, the workshop I have is free. Um, so from nice. a make, from a making point of view, it's great, but um, because of because of where it is and how it's set up, I can't teach there, which is a mm. real big a real big downside to it. Because um, I'd really like to teach. I'd like to. I get people asking all the time if they can come and come and do some bowl turning or some spoon carving, mm. and I, I want to say yes, but like there's no, you know, there's no running water there. There's no proper toilet there. <laughs> there's no proper power. Um, and though I can, you know, I can plan my day to deal with that. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable charging someone to come and learn from me and then, you know, be in the, be in the, in that sort of situation where they're freezing cold and they need, they need to use the loo and I can't help them out. <laughs> right. Sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, like the, my, my ambition is to have, is to, is to, to, to have somewhere that I can teach from, um, and make because I, I really like teaching um i really i really like working with with the guys that i do at the, mm. at the, um that i work with already and i'd like to have somewhere that i could do that yeah totally um and and teach the general pub and do run classes for the general public as well but at the moment you know i'm not um like well i can't find anywhere at the moment um mm. i don't have money to spend i don't have the money to spend out on somewhere that might work i need to find somewhere that will work mm. um so if any of your listeners uh have a have a have a lovely place near hereford mm-hmm. uh <laughs> give me a shout <laughs> we actually are our second highest uh listener listenership is in the uk so yeah oh, so you're, nice. you're in luck fingers crossed awesome well, um, um, yeah. Sorry, uh, sorry. Going, going back to the what we were saying about the Japanese lathe, it, it, what it what it's doing is allowing me to be more productive, um, but it's also allowing me to have time to explore more possibilities and designs. Right. I think nice it, because it's freeing up my it's freeing up my time. Right. Way. It's yeah. a, it, I'm making stuff. I'm making stuff quicker. So the uh the risk of something not working isn't not if a design doesn't work out i've spent less time making that mm-hmm. so it's not as yeah. big of a blow to my productivity as it would have been if i'd have done it on the pole lathe yeah sure. and you're less fatigued by the end of the day yeah so you it's, have to eat less which means you're saving more money exactly yeah. <laughs> 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 like, that's, that's, 
I haven't been able to go to a gym for about a year as well, so I'm definitely eating less. So I... There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we're going on, shoot, almost two hours here. Um, do you have any uh, last last things you'd like to say i know we i know we keep going on there's a lot a lot of questions i wanted to ask you but um we'll have to save that for another another episode um yeah any last bits you wanted to add and uh let the let the folks know where they can find you uh well last last bits i think um i think we've we've covered a hell of a lot really haven't we yeah we have Uh, yes we have yeah I can't remember what we've talked about and what we haven't, to be fair. But um, <laughs> you know, I, um, I, th- I think, um, no, I think, I think I'm happy. I'm, I'm very grateful that you guys have um, invited me on. Um, Absolutely, nice yeah, to talk again. Um, we managed to, <laughs> we managed to hit most of the points we did last time. Yep, yeah. it still, keep, yeah. it still keep it interesting. So that's good. <laughs> it's been good, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So th- um, yeah. Thank you for um. Thank you for inviting me on. It's been good. Absolutely. And our our uh our last question, our traditional last question is, what does Sloyd mean to you? What does Sloyd mean to me? Well, I um, I th- personally I think Sloyd, Sloyd is um potential. It has a potential to uh, improve things for yourself, improve things for other people. Um, it has a there's a there's a there's a simplicity about the ideas of Sloyd that you can you can apply to so many different things. Um, mm-hmm. Even if you boil it down to using ha- you know using using hand tools, like this, it opens up so much uh, possibility mm-hmm. of what you can do um, with what with with the tools that you have with your hands. Um, right. I think that was the, you know if if you're going back to the origins of the of Sloyd teaching, that's kind of what it's about. What what it's really about. What the um, the intention of teach of teaching kids craft is to is to show them that they have the potential in themselves to create. Mm-hmm. Whether it's um, you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's woodwork or metalwork or whatever, or just just apply it to apply it to life. Really, is yeah. that, that um, there's all there's within everybody. There's that there is a potential to create something, and it's so beneficial to have an amount of creativity in your life, whether you're doing it for your job or whether you're doing it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's, it's, it's good for you. Like make, making stuff, being creative is good for you and mm-hmm. shows you that you have the, you have the capability and the potential to, um, to, to create things, to create something. So that's nice. what Sloyd is to me. Nice. Awesome. Very well said. Very well said. Sloyd is life. <laughs> Barn is listening. <laughs> Sloyd is life. Sloyd is life. Sloyd is life as well. 
<laughs> we, we, we had a good we had a good laugh about about that about that last in the in the fa- in the failed recording but so it is like <laughs> most, most, yeah. most of my friends most of my friends i have met um through through this crazy green woodwork world mm. Mm. Uh, um and it's it's great like it yeah. like uh if barn hadn't have said it already i would have said sloyd is life <laughs> <laughs> that's really nice to hear i mean i i really do dream like all the time about going to the uk and and being at Spoonfest or the ball gathering and meeting all the people that we've been talking to i think that would be that would be nice yeah man absolutely absolutely it's so, it's so nice to meet to 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 know that i have friends you know, I've got friends in the States, friends in Sweden, Holland. Yeah. Uh, those, you know, those are just the ones that I've met. You know, I, I talk, you know, there's, there's people I talk to, talk to all the time on, uh, on the internet. I guess you could call that, you know, that's, that's, um, 21st century friends. <laughs> yeah. 21st century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's generally, it's generally a really nice community. So it's, 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 it's good yeah agreed cool well tell the folks where they can find you if they want to track down your work and they're not already aware of it yeah so i have a website www.owenthomaswoodcraft.com i'm on instagram at owenthomaswoodcraft and i'm also on youtube uh as owenthomaswoodcraft so that's all you need oh. to remember is the name and then Woodcraft. <laughs> awesome. We'll put those links down in the show notes. Nice. Um, but yeah, thank you again for joining us. Thank you again for re-recording it and yeah. being good, accommodating. Um, hopefully, hopefully it's better than the first one. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, take care, Owen, and we'll, we'll definitely touch base with you again in the future. Nice one, man. Thank you guys very much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're welcome.